0: And we are trying to develop community through our life groups. And so that is why we are in this series called Houses of God. And it is about understanding that we are our homes. I thought I had this marked. There we go. I would have failed that Bible drill if I was trying to get there quickly. We are trying to get into the mindset that our home is God's home. And everything that we have made available to Him, and part of that means bringing people into our home, giving them an opportunity to get to know who we are, us getting to know who they are, expanding our family circle. This is one of those times in which we're we're pressed in, where we're, we're being divided and pulled apart and and separated from one another for an extended period of time we have to be creative in finding ways to stay connected with people and and it, it's like we do uh, we do that i think with our immediate family i hope that you're keeping in contact with children i hope you're keeping in contact with grandchildren and aunts and uncles and and finding some way to uh, moms and dads and finding some way to communicate with people that need you to check on them even if you can't Touch them or see them face-to-face. You're finding ways to interact with them to make sure they're okay. And When we talk about life groups, we're talking about expanding that circle out to include people within the family of God. To include people within our worship circle. So that when we have moments when we come together in here and there's not a lot of people here, we know where those people are. We know what they're doing. We know what's going on in their lives and so forth. And today, we're talking about something... Daily checkups. Daily checkups. Not just... we Our life groups, we're challenging people to meet once a month. A lot of life groups meet once a week. And uh, and because we have weekly Bible studies and other things, we, we just... We put it at once a month as an... As, but that once a month meeting is to meet, eat, and pray together. To have one focused meeting where we get in a circle and we meet, eat, and pray together. But that doesn't mean you can't meet all together. And one of the things we... We'll be introducing as people are getting together to meet and pray together. Pray together. Is this idea of what's called a D group, and within that D group is a uh, is D for discipleship. It's just two people getting two people making a commitment to meet or connect once a week until the life group gets back together. And if you have an odd person out, then you have a group of three. So if you have seven people you have two groups of two one group of three you have three and it's always guys meeting with guys and girls meeting with girls that's um men with men women with women i guess it's as clear as i can make that the the idea is that we need to be checking on each other on a regular basis we need to make sure everybody's okay we need to see just a phone call or a text i have people that i have checked in on and have checked in on me every day for over a decade i think two decades is where we are right now yeah yeah that's right it has been two decades wow i'm getting older fast because uh, we started back in 1999 and and the reason is is because so much can go wrong in life, and, and they're just brief. I, I, I have a little ding that goes off on my phone. It's a text message from my friend, and uh, and it's like a one little, just a few words, and I'll just send a text back. Everything's cool, and we have a, we've even developed a little numeric code system that we we tell each other. We kind of uh, you've done this every day for 20 years. You find ways to simplify and shorthand things, and uh, and I'll just well I'll just tell you straight up. Sometimes there's some things he wants to tell me that are extremely confidential, and he doesn't want his wife to see his text messages, so he came up with number codes of things that are going on, and so he sends me those numbers. and only I know what those numbers mean, so that if the FBI ever confiscates our phones or whatever and we have to go before court, it just looks like a series of numbers, and they'll never get that code out of me. They'll never make me talk, ever. Uh, so I never have anything bad to tell him, so uh, so it's I don't have anything to worry about. He has all kinds of stuff. Uh, but... We, but we have this daily checkup. And, and you know, it, it reminds me of the fact that uh, I, I see a lot of people in church who are like me and how I feel about going to doctors and dentists. I do. I appreciate dentists. and I appreciate what they do. But I always view dentists as people who want to inflict pain upon me. And, uh, and that is my dental experience. And I had a dental hygienist who was trained in Nazi Germany and, uh, in how to torture people and she did a very good job of that each time, of uh, extracting blood from me and, and doing all kinds of things. So I, so I have this in my mind. I don't want to go do this, and I think that's the way we get. And and trying to think in terms of sitting with other people and talking with other people about what's going on in our life, we just it's painful, and so we just avoid it. It's like I, I just rather not talk about it, rather not deal with it. But uh, I this became real to me, uh, and I appreciate. Jeff being here and, and Miss Margaret's gonna have the same surgery, but uh, we uh, um, we're the non-gallbladder people. Uh, and I remember having a gallbladder, and I didn't know that my gallbladder was causing me so many problems because I never went to the doctor, I never had checkups. But I remember going to the doctor and having a checkup, and uh, and finally after years and years, he didn't find that. But on the way home from that appointment, I remember going to the doctor thinking I was uh, I needed to. Make sure everything was fine. Because I kept having these attacks, I thought something was wrong with my heart. So I went and had my heart checked. And everything was good with my heart. And it was, So I left feeling so good about that. And my blood work was so good, I thought, I'm going to get me a dozen donuts and eat them on the way home. And so I got a dozen of my favorite donuts and was eating them on the way home. And then that night had the worst attack of anything I'd ever experienced in my life. My face turned gray. I just... From pain, I just collapsed in the floor, and I couldn't get back up. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to have to call for Cam, and I really just don't want to do that. I don't want her to see me here laying in the floor because she will freak out and so forth. But finally, I couldn't. I just thought, well, and then I'm going to just die in the floor, and then that would be bad too. So so I call for her. She comes. She calls an ambulance, and, um, and then it just went away. And so I said, quick, call the ambulance back. Tell them not to come. Uh, because I'm paying for that ambulance to show up here at my house. Made an agreement with her, I said, if it ever happens again, then I'll go. But if it doesn't ever happen again, we're good. And so two days later, I'm eating nachos and cheese, uh, lots of nachos and cheese, and sure enough, there seemed to be a common thing going on here and had another attack. And this time it was so bad, I said, okay, you can take me to the hospital. And so she took me to the hospital. And sure enough, I had a bag full of gravel inside my gallbladder, they said. And, uh, and they had to take it out. Now, here's the thing. I should have been checking on blood pressure and all kinds of different things all throughout my life. But didn't see the importance of that. Didn't see the, I would rather suffer through the pain, and then sometimes I would rather die than have to go to the doctor for somebody to tell me how I was doing. But there is something very important about us needing. I, and I, I don't have the same philosophy for my children. I don't want them to have that. I, I don't want them to not go to the doctor and be checked up on. Because people I love and I care about, I want, the, I want Kim to have checkups. And the reason is because I I want them to be healthy. I want them to continue to live. But I I had to come to terms with there's a sense of selfishness there on my own part. A sense of selfishness that I'm saying I don't care what happens to me, but the reality is if something happens to me, then they all suffer as a result of it. You all suffer as a result of it. We all Because our lives impact other people. And we like to play that down and say I'm not that important or whatever, but no, you are important. You're not just important to you. You're important to God. You're important to a family. You're important to uh, the mission and purpose and plan that God has for his kingdom. He has plans for you, ideas for you. There needs to be this physical, emotional, and spiritual check going on. And we are not to be trusted with doing this ourselves. We need other people who will just look at us from time to time to see if we're okay. Somebody to ask the question, are you okay? Is everything all right? We need that. And that is, that is such a key aspect. Now here's the thing. I can't contact every single person in this church every day and see you every day and ask, are you doing okay? And even if I did... If 15 to 25 people every day told me there was something wrong, there's no way I could deal with each of those situations. But if all of us are having a buddy, do the buddy system and pair off or get in groups of three, however it works out, and you contact each other, now you can be checking on each other. And I can do this. I can if you believe the problem is something that warrants a pastor's attention. You can call me and then now I know that's somebody I need to focus on or spend some time with. Maybe they need to go to the doctor. Maybe they need marriage counseling. Maybe they need something. But we would never know if you didn't make that phone call, if you didn't make that text message, if you didn't check on them, if you didn't have lunch with them, if you didn't just spend a moment with them. Just look at people in the face. Now, I really believe this is what we should do every day. But if you did it every week, that's better than not doing it at all. Once a month is just, or just once or twice a month, it's just too little. That's why our life groups may meet once a month. But these these D groups, these these micro groups, these are just people I pair up with. Now, you may already have people you do this with, and great, that's fine. You've already accomplished it. you got it. You've got somebody. Say, if you, I, well, i why, got somebody I already contact every day. I don't know if I can add. Some, you don't have to add anybody. I'm just going to make sure there is somebody who you check on regularly, and they check on you. And if you don't have somebody, we need to find you somebody. And so that in a, within a life group, that's part of the, the challenge of life groups. Just make sure everybody in a life group is everybody has somebody who's checking on them on a regular basis. Look in um, Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. We're just going to look at two verses today. This is a very simple sermon. <laughs> Sometimes I, I think I could probably belabor this and make it, drag it out and make it so much more than what it is. But really, sometimes there's things that the word tells us that we just need to take that little piece and we need to go do that. And that's what makes life-changing results. Just two verses of the early church meeting together and, uh, and coming together. And this is in chapter 2, verse 46. It says, every day. That's where I got it. If you're wondering, where do you get that daily thing from? Right here in the Bible. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for your word and pray right now that as we look at these, this little passage. As we look at what you were doing in the early church and what you've been doing in the church now for two millennia. Lord, just help us to see what we're supposed to be doing today. May we be focused, focused on your mission, your purpose, your plan in our lives in the lives of others. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that I want us to think about as far as our doing something every day is our daily bread. There used to be a little, uh, there's still a little booklet that comes out every quarter and you may read it. It's called Our Daily Bread. And that was my very first, uh, one of my very first devotional books that I ever had. Such an amazing little book thing that they send out because it, it has a little bible verse and has a little uh, devotional thought and so forth and and uh, and some questions to think about it's just a very good devotional book and you do it every day and and it was just very enriching Now i've moved on to other things and so forth but in my devotional time but i still enjoy whenever i see one i still enjoy reading whatever thoughts and 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 verses it has to share with me. I hope that you have something like that in your life. I hope you have something that you read every day, some piece of scripture. I hope you do the, you could do the daily Bible reading. We have still sheets back there. We're getting ready to go into November's daily Bible reading, and and uh, we're getting ready to finish the Bible for those who've been going keeping up and going along. But if you didn't keep up and go along, just start where we are. Start where we are. We're in Jeremiah. Reading is good. It's good stuff. Uh, and so... Uh, you can pick up on that. We're in, I think, 2 Thessalonians. And, and, um, and so you can start right there. And then you'll finish the Bible out with us. And you start it afresh in January. And then work your way through. But having a daily routine of reading and bringing in God's Word is—it always reminds me of, of God and the Israelites in the wilderness when he provided manna for them every Every day. Every day, the children of Israel survive, had to go outside and collect the manna. Now, it's amazing. There's no food. They're out in the middle of the desert. There's nothing there to eat. So God makes bread fall out of the sky. Bread like a coriander-like substance. And it falls out of the sky. It's literally the bread of God. It falls out of the sky, and they have to go collect it, and they make food out of it. They couldn't. It would not store overnight. They could not keep it overnight. The way we know it was miraculous is because they could store it overnight on Fridays so they didn't have to collect it on the Sabbath day, which was be Saturday. So they collected twice, and he provided twice as much. So he provided twice as much, so they go out and collect it, and it won't spoil on Saturday, and it would carry over to Sunday. That's because it was God miraculously providing this. But every morning, they had the routine of going out and getting their food. And there's something... Something about that. And Jesus, when he told us to pray, he told us to pray, Father in heaven, you know, to give us our daily bread. There's, there's this routine of life of waking up each morning, waking up fresh each morning and getting the bread that God has for us. And I think part of that is going to the word and saying, God, what do you have to feed me with spiritually today? I think there's something also about food, food. <laughs> We should eat every day. And he provides food with us every day. And and then understanding that part of that, there's a fellowship component to that. of uh, That we are not to do that alone. That there are to be people that we do that with. Now, I, now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a quiet, personal time and you can't eat breakfast by yourself. But at some point, there is a breaking of bread that takes place where we are to share those moments with others. I think, I think it... Goes in that kind of order. You start out alone with the Lord in your time with Him, and then that prepares you. Then you take what you have, and then you go share it with other people. Don't go share it with a thousand other people. Just just be one other person. But look in chapter verse chapter two verse forty six again. Just that first part of verse forty six. He says every day they devoted themselves. So this is not just a it casually happened or as part of the, No, they they made this part of their devotion to meet together in the temple. It was just a, a common place where everybody would come together. If you go to the Israel today and to the Wailing Wall and to that area, it's just a giant courtyard with a bunch of people there and all kinds of people coming together to put prayers in the wall and so forth. And uh, but it's just a, it's a place to gather. Just they went to a place where there were a bunch of other people. And they gathered in those places, and it says, and broke bread from house to house. So they go to each other's homes and break bread together. And they could have been the breaking of bread could mean communion, could just mean eating. It means both in the Bible when they say it. They're, but 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 it is but it's communion either way. No matter whether you're doing the bread and the juice of the Lord's supper or whether you are actually just simply having a time of fellowship together, bonding together, eating together spending time with one another this is something that the the reason we do this is because all we have is each other the world remember we've always talked about this in spiritual warfare you have your flesh that's fighting against you you have the world that's fighting against you you have satan who's fighting against you and so we need each other we need that time when we come together and say hey how are you doing is everything okay we need people like that in our lives and you might say, well, I don't have anybody like Well, pray for somebody like that in your life. I've, I've gone through periods of time. I mean, I'm a pastor. And I'm around all kinds of people all the time. But there have been periods of time where I was very alone as a pastor. Because I had relationships like this. But I'm standing on a podium and you're sitting in chairs. And we don't interact in each other's lives. And we don't eat dinner with each other. And you go off to your families and I go off to my family and so forth. But there would be times when I would feel very alone. And I'd say, God, I don't have a friend. I need a friend. Somebody I can trust, somebody I can confide in, somebody I can share with. And He would provide those people in my life. He's always been faithful to do that. It feels like forever, but once you have the person, you're thankful. And then there they are. It's kind of like everything we pray for. It doesn't always come instantly, but it does come. And when it comes, recognize it. Be thankful for it. Maybe He's preparing that friend for you, and maybe He's preparing you for that friend. But whatever the case, we all need a friend to eat with. Somebody, you know, it takes me, do you remember going back to high school in the cafeteria? That was one of the worst things, I think, in, in, in as both as a student and as a teacher, and watching how that unfolds. And watching how people will congregate together and how one person will be cast out off to the side and feel as though there's nobody who will eat with them. My mother was one who hated that scenario, and she would... I want say force us, but strongly impressed upon us that that was never to happen if we were there. If you ever saw somebody by themselves, you were to go over and eat with them. And she said, if you think it's going to embarrass you, then uh, uh, then the other kids are going to make fun of you for going and talking to that person or whatever. She said, think how embarrassing it's going to be when I come to the school and I point out to every call out your name and I walk you over there and sit down with you to eat with them. That's going to be even more embarrassing. So it was very impressionable. And so you see this. So that that was just something that was ingrained in me. I see somebody eating alone. I take my tray. I go over and sit with them. People have, you know, it was not as bad as I thought this people making fun of me and so forth. That didn't happen. They were actually, they just kind of knew that's who I was. It's what I did. And sometimes I didn't do it as well as I wanted to. Now I look back and I think sometimes I have my own bad motives and things. In high school, but one of the things that was happening that I didn't realize was happening is that I think I was doing it more because I was afraid if I was the one sitting alone, nobody would come sit with me. So by being the one going to them, I didn't have to deal with that. I didn't have to deal with people coming to me. We need to focus our feeding time on fellowship with friends. Focus our feeding time on fellowship with friends. That's just a way of saying, every time you eat, I'm just trying to put this bug in your head. Every time you sit down to eat, I just want you to think, how are my friends doing? And if you can just think of one person, just ask yourself, have I checked on them today? How are they doing today? Are they okay? Do I know they're okay? And if not, then call them. Text them. Eat lunch with them, whatever. At some point, you want to face to face. I try to I try to encourage people to have one face to face meeting once a week. But the rest of the time, we have so much technology, we have so much ability to do this. You can just easily text. Like I said, I have I have so many people that I contact, and it's I, I, one of the things that's so amazing to me about Facebook. And there's so many bad things about Facebook, but it really is a useful tool if you can be disciplined. Say happy birthday to people. Tells you when people's birthdays are. I I say happy birthday to more people now than I ever did in my entire life. And I think about this. It takes me less than three seconds to do it. Less than three seconds of my time to go through and say happy birthday. To encourage somebody. So, take three seconds. Five seconds. Ten seconds. Take five minutes. And while you're sitting there eating, thinking of that friend, send him a message. How are you doing? Is everything okay? Not only do we have daily bread, we should have daily praise and joy. Now, every morning when we wake up, <laughs> we have a choice. We can either be happy or miserable. Remember, you just got up, so now nothing's happened yet. It's all what you're gonna. It's how you're gonna start that day. If it's going to be, if you're going to start out miserable, because it hasn't, you're thinking about what's going to happen, but it hasn't happened. You're just now waking up. So you're, 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 you're developing an attitude toward the day. And here's what the word of God challenges us in. Start out with joy. Start out with joy. And then dare someone to take it from you. Because let me tell you, if you don't start out with joy, that means you're starting out with your flesh instead of God's Spirit. The way you know you start out in the Spirit of God, begin your day walking in the Holy Spirit, is because you have joy. Because the Holy Spirit, a fruit of the Holy Spirit, a characteristic trait of the Holy Spirit is joy. He doesn't ever not have joy. There was never a time that Jesus did not manifest Joy. And you're saying, well, there were times he was sad. That's because you're not understanding the definition of joy. Joy doesn't mean happy. Joy doesn't always mean happy. Joy means it goes in kind of conjunction with peace and knowing that everything's going to be okay. That life, everything that's supposed to, that God's purpose and plan and everything is being worked out. That we win. And so even in the midst of sorrow, we can have joy and praise God for how good He is. It's a Charles Stanley used to say you should wake up in the morning and put on that spiritual armor, put on that you know the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth. Shot our feet with the gospel of peace and work through the elements, and have the sword of the Spirit in our hand, work through that armor in Ephesians chapter 6 and, and just kind of put it on to be ready to go out into the day. Praising the Lord. Look at verse, the last part of verse 46. He says, They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. <laughs> See, they're going together eating, and they have joyful hearts. And sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That means people loved having them around. You know, you, we were uh, we were out with our kids at a coffee shop. And we were just in, um, it was Jonathan's birthday and we were celebrating. And, and uh, he had this new girl in his life that we've talked about. And so we were all kind of grilling her a little bit to see if she's worthy of our son. And... And we we're all talking and laughing and sharing, and it was funny because another girl in the coffee shop—I didn't even know she was there—but she was on the other side of a column and they had a laptop there. And she was just in there working. And she said, "You know, I'm not getting any work done, but I sure just am enjoying listening to your family uh, talk and interact." She says, "It's just—it's made my day just to be here with you guys." And—and and that's what joy does when we are enjoying each other's presence and focused on. God and praising Him for how good He is, because it's really what the point of that interaction is. When you get together, it's not, remember I said it's not a time to focus on disappointments. It's a time to focus on anointments. It's a time to have, to redirect our friends and say, you know, when they're like, oh, my life is horrible and everything's bad and so forth, it's like you're trying to bring them back around and say, yeah, yeah, these are some tough times, but let's get back to God and think about how awesome He is and how amazing He is and His grace is amazing and the awesome things He's doing in our lives and what He's going to do, how He's gonna see us through this we're gonna have victory in this we're gonna overcome this let's get let's get back on to the joy I had a friend who stopped meeting with me he said because every time we get together we become so cynical about talking about politics and the world and so forth he says I'm not helping you you're not helping me and it was a wake-up call for me I said, he's right we use our times together to tear the world down and to focus on what the enemy is doing and focus on all the bad things of the world. That's a horrible use. It was a temptation we would slide into every single time we would get together. It's like it would be better for us not even to meet than to do that. This needs to be a time when we come together and get filled up with joy. Get filled up with joy. Just saying, as, we're, as you're eating or talking or whatever, just and, and one of you, always trying to, if you see the other person starting to slide, think of always have this mental picture in your head. Your job as the friend is to pull them up higher. Whoever is higher, whoever's closer to God, whoever has more joy, is trying to pull the other one up to where they are. Or else they'll pull you down to where they are. But he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. So the person with joy, the person filled with the Holy Spirit, is stronger than the person who's not. And so use that power, that God-given power. That's why I say you wake up in the morning, focus on his joy. Put that spiritual armor on. I'm going out filled with the joy of the Lord. Pray, spend some time in the Word, get your focus in the right place, make sure your mind is on Christ. And then when you go check with that brother or sister in Christ and you're checking on them and they got out of bed on the wrong side or or they've been hit hard by the thing, they tried to get up and stay in joy but they're being taken away, then if you're higher up than they are, closer to God, got more joy in your heart at the time, you pull them up to where you are. Say, hey, whoa, what's going on? Let me remind you of something. Let me share this truth with you. Let me show you what God's got going on. Now, we all know when that's fake and artificial and when people say that to us and it's just annoying when people we know their lives aren't great and they're just trying to keep this positive and they're not sincere about it. That's why he says with sincerity. They had sincere hearts. It's not just some artificial stuff people are saying. It's real. It's real if nothing else you just look them say hey, i know you're going through a hard time but i just want to remind you i love you i got your back i'm with you i'm not gonna let go of you even if even if you don't pull out of this i'm gonna stay right beside you i'm gonna love you through this and you should know them well enough to know what kind of language to use what kind of words to use how how what their love language is how to communicate to them the love of jesus christ focus on filling up with joy get filled up with joy and the last daily thing that should be taking place is there should be daily editions daily editions remember the I, i i like that i just like using the word daily edition because it made me think of the paper the newspaper that came out that was the daily edition of the paper so a little play on words there but You get that newspaper every day and new news every day and so forth. And here's the daily edition. Here's what's going on. Here's what's new today. That's why it's called news. But here's the thing. God can bring people into his kingdom every single day. Now, we think in terms sometimes of us, me, bringing people into the kingdom. Like I'm getting a new friend every day. I'm not telling each of you to get a new friend every day. I'm saying as we begin loving and caring for one another and meeting together and spending time together and admonishing one another and, and encouraging one another and spreading joy to one another, as we begin to invest in each other's lives and check on each other, wherever there's that, like I said, you got two people together, when there's a third person that comes in, Two people bring that third person in. Say this person doesn't have anybody. Well, you meet with us, and that only takes place until you find a fourth person, and then a fourth person takes place, and it's like now you two meet together. We'll either we can continue on, or I'll take this one and you take that one, and now we'll meet. We'll check on each other every day this week, understanding that God is going to expand look in at the last part of chapter 47 he says every day the lord added to their number those who were being saved now it would be different if i would stand before you today and say yeah but 95 percent of the people in cape Girardeau county are already saved so maybe we should go to a expand out but that's not true there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are not saved in Cape Girardeau County, in Jackson. And you and I, a lot of times, don't know who they are. So, but I'll tell you, when we did the Who's Your One campaign, we've got a, got a stack of cards this thick. I was looking through those names again this week. And I thought, how many of those people do we contact regularly? Check on them. Because here's the thing. When you and I get into the habit of caring for each other, think of it like a doctor's office. A doctor's office moves into the community and so forth. And you're like, I don't know if I want to go to that doctor. I don't know if I trust him or not somebody's going to be the guinea pig and they're going to go to that doctor. And they're gonna. And if you know that person, you're like, hey, is that doctor any good? And they say, that doctor's amazing. So good for me. Then they're going to go, you're going to think, oh, well, I'm looking for a doctor. I trust this person's word. So I'm going to go try him out. So you go try him out. And if the doctor is amazing, then that's your doctor. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to say to other people in your life who don't have a doctor, because you always have people in your life that don't have a doctor or looking for a doctor, and you say, hey, you're looking for a doctor? I got a great doctor. Let me tell you about this. This place, whatever. You should go check them out. And they're like, you know what? I should go check them out. So they go check them out. They love them. And then they they have a friend. You see where this is going, right? They have a friend and they tell. And then they tell. And then they tell. And then they tell. That's how practices grow. And for long, that doctor gets so full up. Can't take any more people. So they start another practice. with the knob doctor's process starts all over again. Friends, that's how the kingdom of God grows, too. But we're not talking about doctors. We're not even talking about preachers or churches or Sunday school classes. Those things sometimes we get people to come that way. What we're really talking about is Jesus. We're telling people about Jesus and how good Jesus is. And when people come to know Jesus and how good he is and the joy that he has and the power of life and the Holy Spirit, he does not disappoint. And he is exciting. And when you have that experience with Christ, you want to share it with other people. And so you tell somebody else. And so when people, when you are in a church and people are rarely baptized, I'm going to tell you, it's just an indictment and you can take it, I I, I wish it was, it's an indictment on me, it's an indictment on you, it's an indictment on all of us, because here's the truth. That means we're not telling people about how good Jesus is. Because there's people out there looking for Jesus, and we're not helping them make that connection. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. And one of the reasons is we don't have any friends who are, all our friends have already found Jesus. That means we're not paying attention to the people who are not connected to Jesus that are in our lives. And here's what God does. When we are people who connect people to Jesus, when we are people who are having conversations, always pointing people back to the joy of the Lord, always meeting together and willing to give our lives and saying, I'm going to take time out of my day to contact you and meet with you. When we become those kind of people who are not so busy that we can invest in other people's lives, then God will bring more people into our lives. You'll start seeing them at work and you'll see them on vacation and you'll see them when you're in the store, and all of a sudden you'll not have a thousand people. You have one person, but we will all have one person that comes into our life who are like who are saying, "Hey, I'm looking for some answers to life," and they'll phrase that in one way or another. And then we will say, "I have an answer." We should be expecting new people, expecting new people in our life, in some form or a fashion, somewhere. We should be expecting it, preparing for it. Thinking in terms of, God's going to bring somebody new into my life. And I need to be ready for that. I need to be ready to go out and see that. And and, and getting ready for that. Are you getting ready for that? You know, when, when you are expecting a new baby, they tell you you're going to have a baby. Do you? Is is it life as usual after that? Is everything just normal? I know people have gotten those gotten word of that recently, and their life is very different. In like, fact, that's all they talk about. That's the focus. They're getting their life ready, getting their home ready, thinking through financial issues and so forth, because they're preparing for somebody new to be coming into their home. Church, are we? Are we doing that? Are we expecting new people? Or when people show up, are we surprised? Like all of a sudden a baby just appears. Oh, there's a baby. Oh, here's a mug. Best of luck. Right? That's the way we deal with that. Here's a brochure. See you later. That's not how you deal with that. You invite them into your home. You go out to eat with them. You get to know them. Hey, I've got room in my life for you. And I'm, I want you to know, if, can, can I contact you? Can I share more with you? Can we form some type of connection here? You see, when that happens, then people feel like now they've found a place. You know that because that's what happened to you people reached out to you, they loved you, they cared for you, they embraced you, you became friends with them, and now you have those friends, and maybe they've moved on, maybe they've passed away, maybe they've gone to another church, but then you make new friends and form new relationships, Or maybe you haven't. Maybe you're hoping for that, and if you're hoping for that, then pray for that. And that's the invitation today. If God has brought that person into your life, that person that you're trying to reach out to and connect to, and... and and I understand it's it's this is this is how discipleship takes place. It's I I have so many amazing people that God has brought into my life. Some people I like I said, I have some that I contact every day, but some I don't I don't see I used to see him every day. But now I see him once every year. And here's the deal with that. We were in each other's lives. We matured in Christ. They became of another part of the church. They are now reaching out into other lives, and I'm reaching out into other lives. Now we're making new friends and new acquaintances. Think about this. Two years ago. Two years ago. I knew almost no one. Here today. Almost none. I really didn't know anybody. I'd made contact with a few people, but I didn't know anybody. And now I love you. And you're awesome people. And some we've broken bread with together and enjoyed and, and at some point hope to do that with everybody. What an awesome thing. New people in our lives. I'm just saying. You did that with me. Now. Expand that to others. (laughs) Look for that. Look for God bringing those people into your life. That new opportunity. That new conversation. Just so you say. God. Help me connect with this person. Now. He's not going to bring us new people. Until we're already doing that. With the people we have. So don't. Don't think in terms of going out and getting more people. Just right now. Just make sure all of us are doing that. That's why before we do some major evangelism campaign, and I, and I don't get too... I mean, when we go through a revitalization project in the church, we don't expect the baptistry to be filled up every week at the beginning. Because we're trying to get our people to take care of each other. To encourage each other. To meet together. To eat together. To pray together. To get these little micro groups going and connecting people. But as that happens, I know this, I know that then God sees, oh wait, they are going to they're going to give themselves, they're going to share their lives with another, they're going to extend their families out, they're going to open up their homes. Now I can bring more people in. Because I know they'll be taken care of. I mean, if you were God, isn't that what you would do? If you love these people and you want them to be taken care of, you're looking for homes? That will be loving and receiving and caring. And so he's going to bring those people to us. If we're just being faithful to do what he called us to do. to Meet together, to eat together, pray together. This morning, pray for your D group. That D group is just pray for that other person who God's brought in your life that you need to check on. You haven't prayed for him today. Now is your moment. You can pray for him now. And if you're sitting here today and you think ah, I don't have a D group, I don't have somebody, I don't have a discipleship partner, I don't have somebody that I'm checking on or nobody checking on me, then pray that God would bring you one. Pray that God would show you who that's supposed to be. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for how good you are and the grace that you show us each and every day. Lord, I. I hope I haven't made this too complicated because it should be very simple. Everybody in this room should have somebody. Every man should have another man that he is discipling and is being discipled by. Iron sharpening iron. Every woman should have another woman. She is discipling. Again, iron sharpening iron. Just meeting together. Encouraging each other. Breaking bread together, living life together, in joy and sincere hearts. May people see these relationships and want those kind of relationships and be drawn to your church to have these kind of relationships. And Lord, may we be looking for you to bring new people to us. And may we embrace those people, not as visitors but as new family. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me as we have a time invitation. Again, always want to open up the altar and give you an opportunity to respond. And right now, just, I, I got somebody to pray for. Somebody, I, maybe, maybe two other people for you. But just right now, just focus on one person that God's brought into your life. Maybe two people. If you need to come to the altar and pray for them, come to the altar and pray for them. But wherever you are, pray for them. Just take a moment and sing too. but you can pray. Take a moment pray for them. And if you don't have anybody, if you are looking for somebody, one, you can either come up to me and say, hey, would you pray for me, Pastor Troy? I don't have anybody to pray for. I need somebody. And I'm not Matchmaker International, but I sure will help you to find another person to pray for and to connect with in this congregation. But I'll tell you who's better at it than I am, and that's the Holy Spirit. Just pray to God. God, show me. Bring somebody to my life, and he will honor that prayer as we sing.